0: This is Paul Jenkins, and you're listening to the Reluctant Leader Podcast. Now, I believe two things are true. One, everyone leads someone. And two, no one really feels qualified to lead anyone. So maybe you feel overlooked, unqualified, invisible. But the good news is, in the Bible and in life, the most qualified aren't always the most obvious. Hey, it's so good to have you with us on this episode. You know, normally we interview somebody and today on the 13th, we're dropping the 13th episode. Um, and I've got, I don't have an interview. We are as a church in the middle of what we call our encounter services and, what that is, is um, over a span of four days, we have five services. It's just a chance to intentionally encounter the presence and the Spirit of God and see what He, um, just how He ministers to us. And so, of course, it's kind of a crazy time. And I, I thought I was so close to saying, hey, look, here's what we'll do. We'll just call season one over and take a couple months off and then come back with interviews and start the second season. But early this morning, I just felt like, god wanted me to sit down and just share with you just have a kind of a dialogue about an interesting story found in genesis chapter 30 it is um a story up it's just crazy it's one of the stories that's in the bible you kind of read it go is that really in there and then you have to stop and ask yourself like what does that mean for people who are in leadership positions what does it mean for people who are just following jesus and so um Let's just break it down like this. There's a man named Jacob and he he is serving um a man named Laban so that he can marry his Laban's daughter, Rachel. And so after he's I think served with um him for anywhere from seven to fourteen years, Jacob wants to leave and so he asks Laban, Hey, just just let me let me go ahead and take Rachel, take my what I have and I'll just leave and go my way and you go your way and so Laban asked him well what would you like for payment and Jacob says i don't i don't want anything as a matter of fact here's what here's what we'll do let me continue to take care of your flocks and and then i'll take i'll take the ones that are spotted and speckled and basically not considered pure and and i'll take those and those be my payment and so um Laban says, sure, that sounds great. Jacob had actually said, hey, let me go through the flock today and pull those out, and those will be mine. And when Laban said yes, Laban actually had his men go through his flocks that day, pull out the ones that were striped or speckled, and he separated them from the rest of the herd. So there were none for Jacob. Now, I know at this point you're kind of like, what? Is that in there? It's in Genesis chapter 30. You can read the whole story, but we're going to pick it up Um, in verse 35. That same day he, Laban, removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted, all the speckled and spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark-colored lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Basically what has happened is the agreement that Jacob and Laban had. Laban has now gone kind of in an underhanded way. He's he's setting Jacob up for failure. Like there's there's basically no way that Jacob's going to have any speckled or spotted of the herd to take with him because Laban's removed all of them and put a 3-day journey between between Jacob and those flocks. Verse 37, here's where it gets strange. You still with me? You hanging in there? Jacob, however, took fresh cut branches from poplar, almond and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed those peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches, and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Then, as he made separate flocks for himself, and did not put them with Laban's animals, whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals. So they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. And in this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks, maidservants, manservants, and camels, and donkeys. It's easy to read a story like that and kind of get lost in in all the detail. And maybe missed the big picture. And, and when I, when I read this story years ago, I was like, God, what, what is this about? Like wh- he's carving stripes into pieces of, of wood. He's putting the wood into the troughs whenever they drink. And then gosh, whenever they mate, it's a weird story. But whenever they would drink and look at those branches, mate, and look at those branches, they would bear flocks that were speckled. And God just said, you become, you reproduce what you look at. Let that settle in for a second. Especially those of you who, like me, are in positions of leadership. We reproduce what we observe. May I ask you this question? What What are you looking at? As a leader, right? As a leader, what are you looking at? And more specifically, as a reluctant leader, Sometimes the reason that we feel reluctance, if we're honest, is because we're we're only looking at the reasons why we shouldn't be in leadership, the reasons why we aren't adequate, the reasons like all the ways that we have failed in the past, all the fears that we have about maybe failing in the future. And if that's what we're observing, if that's what we're looking at, then that's what we're going to reproduce. And then take, let's take this one step further, leaders. If that's who we are, then that's what's before the people, right? When we step up on a platform and we begin to minister, if we're ministering out of that fear, then we're going to reproduce in the people that fear that they're observing in us. And I, I hope you're getting the severity of this passage of scripture and the principle that this has for us as leaders. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect. But it does mean that we have to step back and actually ask ourselves, what am I looking at? You know, the psalmist said, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. The Bible talks about, you know, the, the eyes are a, a, a window into our soul, right? There's so much in scripture about the eye because That's the place that we allow things in. There's no way, y'all, that we can, as leaders, we can fill our vision with screens and movies and TV shows that don't glorify God and then think that somehow we're going to deliver a word that will reproduce godliness in the people when we haven't been observing godliness ourselves On the positive flip side, when we do fill our vision with things that encourage us, challenge us, when we give ourselves fully to being in his presence and seeing the glory of the Lord, guess what gets reproduced in us and then in our people? That same hunger, that same passion. There's... There's this point where we have to be the ones that model this for the people that we're leading. Like, hey, what are you looking at? Hey, Let's let's talk about that. Like, whatever we're looking at, that's what we're going to become. Have you ever noticed how pets and pet owners start to look the same? Have you ever noticed how couples that have been married for a long time begin to kind of have the same mannerisms? There's and you know there are people that are way smarter than me that understand the brain and neuroscience more than i do but i'm fascinated with these things called mirror neurons and they literally they're they're kind of like this empathetic supercharged function of our bodies and our minds that allow us to almost literally they're called mirror because like we're mirroring what we see so if you see somebody who's who's sad, you tend to mirror that facial expression. If you see somebody who's happy, you tend to mirror that. And it, it basically allows us to become what we behold. If, if you think about that, what, what should challenge us as leaders is this question, how much time do i spend truly looking at jesus truly beholding jesus i'm you know i'm a pastor so of course a lot of my leadership prep is done by reading the bible because i you every every sunday there's a message and every monday there's another sunday coming right so it never stops so I'm, i'm i'm constantly studying the bible I'm constantly like trying to prepare for the next message or the next series of messages and and it's so easy to only see the Bible as a tool or as like a resource book when in when in reality the Bible is jesus it's he's the Word made flesh, and so when I sit down and i and I read the word, am I looking at the word as Jesus. And if I am, then it it transforms the dynamic of that quiet time, right? It transforms what takes place as I sit down and and I read a page and then another page. I'm not just I'm not just dissecting principles. I'm spending time with a person. The Bible is active, it's alive. It's a conversation between us and the father and when we see it that way we we, re, we reproduce that we don't get up on the platform and tell people hey you better read the bible so you can be a good christian we talk about the passion that we have for his word the passion that we have for his truth and they see in us somebody who is authentically pressing in for more of that with god and then that gets reproduced in the people and then they model it for the people that are watching them and those people for the people watch who are watching them and so forth and so forth. And it all starts leaders. It all starts with what we are choosing to watch, to observe. I, I fully believe this, that in this season of the church, There is a call of God back to holiness. And it does not come from a legalistic command. Like you, you better not do those things or you won't be a good Christian or you better do those things. So God will show up. That's, that's legalism. God is calling us back to holiness based in relationship, which is completely different. If I'm if I'm looking at Wendy, you know, she's the the B99 of our marriage, right? If I'm looking at Wendy and I can tell that what I'm doing or what I'm saying is breaking her heart, then I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop saying what I'm saying because I don't want to break her heart. Do I have to stop that? Uh, Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a human. I can do whatever I want, but I choose to stop doing things because I don't want to hurt the one that I love. It's the same way with Jesus. Legalism, what legalism does is it takes, it takes a command. It takes a revelation that is supposed to be based in relationship and it, separates the relationship from the command so all legalism does is focus on the command and and sometimes what's happened in the church today is we've done the exact opposite and we have separated the command from the relationship and we've only focused on the relationship well well god loves me and he'll always love me and he just wants me to be happy and and what we need is we need this holiness movement god's bringing those two back together. Like it's never not been about the command and it's never not been about the relationship. From God's perspective, it's always been about both. Like let's bring the command and the relationship back together and let's keep the commandment in relationship, which is why Jesus said, if you love me, relationship, you will obey my commands, right? It's happening in relationship. And so I want to challenge you just like I'm challenged. When I read this crazy story in Genesis chapter 30 about Jacob and branches with stripes and, and, and animals ha- mating in front of those branches and having, having offspring that are speckled and his, he's growing in wealth because of it. it it's such a crazy story. It's so easy to go. ah, That's weird. But it challenges me with this question, Paul, what are you looking at? What are you observing? What are you giving your attention to? Because whatever you give your attention to is what you're going to reproduce. Let that challenge you today, leaders. What are you giving your attention to? Because that's what you will reproduce. And if we want to reproduce a hunger the presence of of God if we want to reproduce holiness that is based in a relationship with God then we've got to lead the way in placing Jesus before our eyes as we've been at encounter this week we're halfway through the event what I find is I mean I'm I'm so tired because these are lengthy services we are pressing in at the altar. There's a lot of singing, deep teaching. It's physically demanding, yes, but what I'm finding is that my spirit, y'all, is just thriving. Why? Because we are intentionally placing Jesus in front of our eyes. We are intentionally giving our attention to to the things of God. And so what is being birthed and reproduced in our spirit? The very presence of Christ. And I love it. Listen, if you're in the Albemarle, North Carolina area, And you want to take part in these encounter services with us. Um, We have a service tonight. This is being recorded on Tuesday, September 13th. We have a, um, a, a service tonight at 630. We have another one tomorrow night at 630. Those are our last two. And I just want you guys to know, man, it'd be worth the effort to get to the market station that's in beautiful downtown albemarle that's where we're having our services um we've it's it's fantastic you will not be disappointed when you come come with expectation if you can't make it because you're too far away um, you can go to our website thegatheringnow.com and at the very top of that page you'll see a link to our youtube channel all of the services are being recorded they're all being uploaded um, we're not streaming them live, but we're recording them, and then we're uploading them. It takes about a day or a day and a half to get all this stuff uploaded, and you can watch the full services. We have had some amazing worship um, through the first couple of couple of days. You can watch the full services with all the worship. You can also find the video uh, just of the messages, and I'd love um, to have you just join us that way as well. Um, I believe that God will bless you. I believe that he is doing something very unique in the church right now. I've I've said this. I feel like he gave me a prophetic word a few weeks ago. Um, I feel like he is saying he's leading the church into a season of increase, but only for those who are intense and intentional. Intensity is a posture of our heart. Intentionality is the result in our behavior. So uh, lean in with an intensity and follow through with intentionality. Be intentional about the things that you look at so that you can reproduce the things that you are beholding. Listen, thanks for joining me and just listening. I pray this has been a blessing for you. If it has, um, share this podcast episode with somebody you know that needs to hear it. And as always, I'm so thankful for your Support by listening to these episodes. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you when the next episode drops. You've been listening to the Reluctant Leader Podcast. Thanks so much for being a part of this conversation. You can follow us at thereluctantleaderpodcast.com or wherever you download your podcast. Be sure that you subscribe and like us and leave us a rating and a comment. We'd love to hear from you and hear what God's showing you. And remember this, no matter how reluctant you feel, keep saying yes and he'll do the rest.